Ronaldo vai partir para a bola, Ronaldo, Ronaldo vai partir, paradinha, atirou, golo! Já está! Já está! Já está! Hello and welcome to Portugal podcast number 92. And today we're going to do something slightly different. Uh, we're just going to be focusing on two topics. That's FC Porto and Portuguese footballers in Spain. And why are we going to do that? Because today we have a very special guest, none other than Spanish football journalist and expert on all things La Liga, David Cartridge. David, uh, thanks very much for coming on. I hope you settle in as well as Oliver Torres and Christian Tellu have in Portugal. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Okay, no problem at all. Good to have you. And, of course, we also have on board, as usual, our very own Portuguese football coach, journalist and tactical guru, Vasco Mota Pereira. Now, Vasco has been in the middle of an in-depth Porto assessment exercise, you could say, He's watched them against Sporting and against Braga in Loco in the last, uh, last week. And he's also preparing to return to the Estadio de Dragão tomorrow for the Champions League second leg against FC Basel. Uh, Vasco, all good, my friend? Yeah, Tom, thank you. I'm fine. Yeah, OK, good stuff. So, let's get cracking. Uh, we'll be getting Vasco's views of uh, Porto's form and what their season may hold in just a while. But to start with, I'd like to uh, fire a couple of questions to David. Uh, first of all, I'd like to ask you how the Spanish media have been covering Porto. Uh, as we all know, Porto had something of a Spanish revolution this summer, starting with the hiring of <coughs> Port, uh, Spain under-21 coach, Julian Lopetegui, who duly brought in a whole raft of his compatriots, some of whom have made a huge impact. So, David, uh, tell us... Have the Spanish press been covering Porto closely? And uh, what have they been saying? Yeah, um, I mean, as usual with, uh, with, the, with the major outlets, the, the coverage is very much focused on Real Madrid and, and Barcelona in Spain. I'm sure you guys have the same with, uh, with Porto and Sporting and Benfica and uh, in Abola and places like that. But yeah, there, there is some coverage on Porto and uh, they're, they're very impressed, I think, at what, what Lopetegui is doing, especially... After that, he's he's only worked with kids prior to this. This is his first main role, and um, so yeah, I think that they offer the, they offer the odd update on how things are going um, on every weekend. And there are more specialist journalists who have maybe followed Lopetegui down the ranks in the under twenty one when he was with the under twenty ones, and and they are following him a little bit more closely. And I think they're impressed with how uh, with how things are going and how his ad- adaptations uh, been there so far. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a. Uh, uh, I think it sounds quite similar to to how he was viewed uh, when he first came to Porto. In some ways, do you over here? I think people were quite surprised. It was it took people by surprise the appointment. Did it take people by surprise uh, over there in Spain? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it was it was a really really big shock. I mean, he's been highly rated for for a while, and I think people thought he he would go into club management. But the fact that it was Porto. Was 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 very very surprising. I think um, if he'd gone to someone like Atafe or he'd maybe replaced Hemes uh, this season at um, at the Rio, I think that would have made a lot more sense. But for him to go to a club of Porto's uh, stature was quite something. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, well, as I'm sure you know, uh, Oliver Torres has been especially impressive at Porto. <coughs> as has uh, Tellio in recent games, he's really started to come into his own. While uh, Brahimi uh, has also made himself one of Porto's key players this season. Perhaps, uh, in some ways, the, the surprise package, because I don't think he was so well known here as, as the other two. So, uh, having seen all three play in Spain, uh, does their success here surprise you? I'd have to say no, none of them, because I think they all had shown along the line some form of ability and how, and how good a type of player they they could actually be. I mean, take Oliver for instance. He's he's still regarded, I think, as as one of Spain's golden boys basically for the future in in that generation. So there is immense pressure on him, I think, uh, and from Atleti as well, for, for him to develop into a, a key player and become somebody like Koke has at the moment for Atletico de Madrid, and I think Oliver could certainly be that, because he, he's such a talented player. Um, with Teo, he, he was in such a difficult position at Barcelona, because he was just a fringe player, he was brought in for the odd game, he never really had continuity, but the talent was there, but it was no shame for him not really succeeding and making the grade at Barcelona. I mean, we've seen down the years many players they can, you know. I mean, just look at Alexis Sanchez, an incredible player, but he just didn't fit. And and that's been that was Teo's problem as well. And Brahimi, yeah, he was he was down the ranks with the, with Granada, but he, again he showed his talent, his ability, and you looked at him and thought he needs to be alongside better players in a better structure, better coaches. And clearly now he has that. He is he's showcasing the, the the full his full potential basically. Yeah, yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic. Especially he started the season absolutely on fire. He's uh, gone a little bit off the boil maybe since uh, since the turn of the year, but uh, he certainly seems to be a, a very 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 uh, high potential player. And a lot of people are already saying perhaps uh, in the near future another huge windfall uh, coming into Porto's coffers when. Uh, Maybe he moves on. Okay, so uh, Vasco, now you have some explaining to do, my friend. <laughs> uh, just uh, let me read out some facts to you. Uh, Porto, they have won uh, 13, drawn two, and lost just one of their last 16 games in all competitions. Uh, President Pinto da Costa, he's recently said that he believes the club's present squad is uh, one of their strongest in the last 30 years. And, of course, we all know how successful they've been, so that's saying something. And uh, just the other day, Braga coach Sergio Conceição uh, said that he agreed with that, although I suppose that was just on the eve of Braga playing Porto, so <laughs> maybe that was a slightly qualified, that opinion. And, uh, but also, uh, José Mourinho, uh, just the other week, uh, said that he considers Porto as potential dark horses in the Champions League. So... Uh, despite all this praise being showered on Porto, uh, you have still found fault in some of their recent performances in your match reports and incurred the wrath of some of our posters in the process. Uh, the anti-Porto sentiment continues with Vasco, <laughs> wrote uh, James Gomez after your Braga Porto report. So Vasco, uh, what is it about this Porto side that you think is not quite right? Okay. So let me see if I can take this in stride. Um, <laughs> since I've started writing for Portugal, I've been accused of being anti-Porto, anti-Benfica, anti-Sporting, anti-Ronaldo. So, ah, that um, means you're doing something right then. 
Probably yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I can't be I I can't feel too down about it. Um so I'm trying to I'll try to explain as best as I can. I think my uh, analysis or whatever you want to call it may be a bit askew because of my 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 coaching uh experience uh because I try to as much as I can to to analyze matches uh from a, a process based point of view rather than a results oriented point of view and what i mean by that is um i don't just write a match report for instance at the end of the match and say so porto won 3-0 against sporting they did everything right and that's it and porto win 1-0 at braga so the game was tied but porto was still the better team uh i tend not to do that and i tend to analyze uh the process during the match um and in my view uh i couldn't agree more with the fact that i think porto in, indeed have the strongest squad over the past 30 years um really that's yeah that's i think it's something even yeah, more yeah. For, for example the andre andre villas boas squad with a uh, yeah, like yeah. oak and uh, you know falcao and Moutinho and fernando and uh, yeah, alvaro pereira and I it was on a, on. <laughs> it was a shallow squad i mean there were like 13 very good players uh, but then you turn to the bench and it was uh, a slim pickings uh, in this one um i think it's if not the best one of the of of the best certainly and that is actually one of my criticisms is that i think that with this team i think porto should be doing a lot better and to be honest as a coach uh i would i i find a lot of problems in porto and and I don't see it as a surprise for instance Porto almost uh, lost 1-0 to Basel and I think it would be fair because Porto still have uh, uh still are still have a hard time for instance penetrating teams that defend uh uh more hesitantly I mean they are playing more at the back instead of pressing up front uh they are still very very vulnerable whenever center backs have to play Uh, out from the back uh there's still some confusion Porto still play towards the wings which means there are a lot of crosses for instance against Basel it was easy to for for the Basel center backs to deal with with the numerous crosses so despite all those results if we're honest uh Porto are and Benfica for for that matter are supposed to win most of those matches but for instance against Benfica against Sporting uh, against the big ones Porto have been uh, having a hard time so it's not an anti Porto sentiment it's something just more to do with uh, yes this is good Porto are winning uh, but i think most of these fans are the ones who if Porto lose two games in a row will be asking for Lopetegui's head that has actually been one of the criticisms of uh, Lopetegui is that in the big matches uh apart from the game against Sporting uh, the results haven't been that great so i suppose his final i suppose we can say the final assessment the final evaluation of uh, you know how good a job he's done will come uh, after these next uh, few games in the Champions League and of course against Benfica mm-hmm. yeah i think i think i don't think results should be the only thing uh, that matter Um, quite the opposite. Uh, I've defended Jorge Jesus, for instance, even though Benfica have won next to nothing on some on some seasons. Uh, I'm just not getting into all the hype that Porto have been uh, like stellar uh, in terms of football they actually play. Uh, but that's it. I mean, 
Lopetegui's team uh, is much, much better than last year under Paulo Fonseca. I think that's absolutely clear. I'm just saying that uh, there are a few vulnerabilities that uh, better-abled teams will be able to take advantage of, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. Okay, um, well, uh, we're certainly going to see uh, how Lopetegui fares in the, the end of the season. It could actually turn out to be another uh, very interesting uh, climax to the season, uh, almost similar to the one two years ago when, uh, of course, Porto just pipped Benfica in the penultimate game. Uh, it seems like that game, Benfica against Porto, which is on the 26th of April, could also be a championship decider. Uh, let's wait and see. So now let's move on to one particular player, Danilo. And uh, it seems there's something about the name Danilo in Portuguese football this season. I think most people agree that Braga's Danilo and Maritimo's Danilo are having fantastic years and surely set for move to much bigger clubs. And Porto's very own Danilo is having the season of his life. Uh, is he good enough for Real Madrid, in your opinion, Vasco? Uh, yeah, if, if I'm honest, I think so, yes. I wasn't, I have to admit that for the first couple of seasons, I was uh, a bit on the fence. I think he's improved dramatically over the, the past couple of seasons uh, in terms of, of everything. I think he understands his role a lot better. I think he uh, understands um, when to go up, when to push forward, when to stay back. Uh, he also understands... Uh, he's also able now to, for instance, to make runs uh, infield or down the wing according to the positioning of their of, the, of his teammates. Um, I think it, that's helped him a lot, and I think that's the, that's allowed him to to improve quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think he has the the, the skill set, the mindset, the the, the confidence. Uh, I think he has it all to play for Real for Real Madrid. Okay. Well, David, as I say, rumors about Danilo's transfer to Real Madrid. Uh, have been rampant here the last few days in Portugal. Uh, can you bring us any updates on what they're saying in Spain? Yeah, sure. I mean, last week, all the, the main nightly radio shows that start around 11 o'clock, they're, they're the bread and butter of Spanish football, and they were all led with that the, the, the Danilo deal is, uh, is is done, basically, and it's 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 already the player has the, they've got the OK from the player. They've agreed with Porto, everything, and uh, it's pretty much a formality. Um, Carlo Ancelotti has has denied it, but he did the same with Lucas Silva, and then two weeks he popped up. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that means much from Ancelotti. So it, it sounds like this one could well be uh, already done. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Of course, uh, I think they're going to be a huge fee involved because Danilo was a little bit different to uh, Porto's normal modus operandi. We can say in that they normally buy cheap or fairly cheap. And yep. then sell, you know, develop players, and then sell them on for a huge profit. Profit, but Danilo is, I think, I'm right in saying, is possibly a Porto's most expensive player in their history. Is that right, Vasco? I think it's close to it. I'm yeah. not sure if it if it still is, but yes, I think it costs like 16 million euros. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so just to finish this uh, Porto part of the pod. Uh, Vasco, I'm going to get you into further trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Of course, we all hope and assume that they'll complete the job against Basel tomorrow. Of course, first leg ended 1-1 in Switzerland, so it seemed to be well-placed to get into the last eight of the Champions League. And so, uh, Vasco, in your opinion, 
Uh, is there any team uh, likely to get through to the quarterfinals against which you think Porto will have a chance of making the semis? Uh, what would be the best draw for them, in your opinion? I think Porto will be in for a very, very uh, tough couple of fixtures because uh, I think that the teams that will go through are, uh, for instance, like Bayern Munich, who is a, who have a, a similar possession-based approach to Porto, uh, but are much better at it than than, than Porto. Uh, and there's a, a, a string of teams that are the exact opposite, and I think they are the teams that Porto most uh, struggle with, which are like teams like Chelsea or Athletic Madrid or Dortmund, who are just excellent at playing on the break. So I think they would be a nightmare because they, I'm sure they would uh, allow Porto some time on the ball and just wait for, for, for the ball to come into like the midfield area and then pounce on it because Porto always have numbers down situations in that uh, in that particular circumstance. I think it's going to be very, very hard. And I think we're, we're going to prove, if Porto actually go through, we're going to prove uh, who's right, me or, or some of the our readers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> putting your head on the block there, Vasco. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, David, do you have uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, who do you think is perhaps uh, the weakest of the uh, other potential sides who could uh, get through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League? Yeah, I think, I mean, looking at it right now, it does look like Arsenal are out. So I think potentially Monaco and a repeat of that 2004 final. Right. And then, of course, facing a Portuguese manager as well. And I think that would be an interesting one, Monaco Porto. So I think that would be the best for Porto should they get through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but just, I'm sorry. <laughs> just okay, go for sorry. it. <laughs> uh, but I think Arsenal made the same mistake, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think I think they they I think they're by far the, the smaller team, so to speak. Uh, Leonardo Jardim is nothing but a practical man. Uh, his teams are always organised, and Porto has struggled with with teams like that. Yeah, yeah. After that uh, that first, I watched that first leg of uh, Arsenal Monaco, and uh, of course most of the English press were focusing on uh, you know how shoddy Arsenal were but I must admit you know I thought Monaco were absolutely superb typically in Ardo Jardim yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, performance so, defended so well you know and uh, just hit them on the break perfectly and uh, good also to see Joao Moutinho uh, looking back to something like his best like his best yeah I think it's it's the trademark of a Portuguese coach just yeah. defending well compact and hitting on, on the break <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Okay, well, uh, that's it for part one and this uh, little focus on Porto. Now, in part two, we'll be uh, going Portuguese footballers in Spain all the way. Welcome to part two, and now we're going to take a close look at the many players and coaches doing rather well for themselves in La Liga. Uh, and where else can we start than with Valencia? I think it's fair to say uh, Nuno Espiritu Santo and his side have exceeded expectations. Uh, David, I know you've been particularly taken by former Benfica midfielder Andre Gomes. Uh, how much has he contributed to Valencia's success? in your opinion, and uh, how good has he been? Yeah, and- Andre has been, uh, he's been an overwhelming success. He's, 
he's had go as far as to say it's not just the Valencia, but he's been one of the the best signs in Spain over the summer. He, he he's been such a a big big presence. Um, I think out of uh, all the players that have arrived, he's the one that has become the most important to the system. So you've got people like Otamendi, who have uh, Mustafi, who have who have been very good and they've settled in well. Um, but I think it's Andrea that as that is perhaps offers the most to the team as as an individual. He he does it all in midfield. We we have spoken briefly about it on Twitter um, mm-hmm. about what he offers, and it's incredible what he does. I think in the game, you you look at him and he's he, he's. He covers defensive work. He's in the centre of midfield, and then he also supports the attack and can go out wide too. But you can't call him a box-to-box player. But he's he's got that ability. Um, he's got that skill set, and he's just a, a really complete player. And I think it's it's outstanding to see somebody do what he can because he can sit. He can. He's got a good passing range. But he can also dribble with the ball and run with it as well, and, and drive in, into the box. And he's a real problem for uh, for opponents because of this, because he can he can approach teams in in many different ways. Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, I saw him a lot when he was at Benfica, quite quite a few matches in the flesh as well. And he he never really completely convinced me. I always thought his you know his lack of pace was a, yeah. a bit of a problem, but uh, you know to say that he's been Valencia's key player, well that's some praise. And, and of course, reading everything about him uh, at, at Valencia, it seems like a, that's a pretty much unanimous view. He's just uh, taken taken the team and taken the league in some ways a, a bit by storm. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's just a real. He's become a real favorite there, and 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 trust me, I heard the the same from Portuguese fans about mm-hmm. him. About like, why is he playing so well? I don't understand it. I never saw it at Benfica, and I just <laughs> said, like, I'm not lying to you. This guy is incredible. Yeah. I watch Valencia every week. I I haven't missed an Andre Gomes game this season, and he really is an outstanding young player. Yeah. Okay. That's good to hear. That's great to hear. Uh, what about uh, Nuno? As a, I was quite. Uh, tickled to see the way he's referred to in Spain and also there I notice you is Andre Gomes just called Andre in Spain yeah (laughs) there you go get rid of the surnames yeah (laughs) so uh, Vasco and I were actually discussing uh, Nunu uh, the other day in the last pod uh, praising uh, his intelligence Uh, he's had to adapt to a new league and to being in command of a team of course with much greater ambitions than what he was used to in Portugal where he was at Rio Ave uh, you know, one of Portugal's smaller teams. So, uh, what's your assessment of the job he's done so far? Yeah, I think I think for the most part he's he's done very well. Um, so I'll focus on the positive first, without a doubt. I think given the pressured environment that Valencia is, there there aren't many. I mean, we talk about Barcelona, Real Madrid, but but trust me, the pressure at Valencia at times can be equal to what goes on there because of their past success under Rafael Benitez. There is that um, the fans can be demanding. But not uh, not in a not in a different way to any other club. But there is that renewed sense of prestige about Valencia. They are a very very big club, a very famous club, and and Nuno has has handled that really really well. And given uh, the money that's gone into the club and the amount of new players, the people who have left also, he's handled the playing squad really really well. And he's getting the best out of certain individuals. There there are some players that are. Uh, they're playing better than they have for previous years. Something like Pablo Piatti, his his return now from goals and assists is much better than it's it's ever been. The new signings have they've all bedded in well, nearly just about, and um, they they look like they've been there years. The young players uh, like uh, Alcácer and uh, Jose Gaya, 
um, they are they are performing really well, and Nuno is clearly handling them really really well. But yeah. the the negative with him, there there have been two main issues. Number one was the the Copa del Rey exit. I think with Valencia are only in one competition this year, which people forget. They were just been in one competition, and that is just La Liga. So people expected them to go into the Copa with no European um, knights to deal with, to, to go out strongly in the Copa, and, and they failed badly in there. They were dispatched by Espanyol, and there was a lot of weakness shown that night, and that was the first time I think the Valencia fans, they, they watched the team under Nuno and become really, really frustrated with uh, with how he, he was approaching things. And the other is the the away form. When they go away, he hasn't really settled on a system. And, and Valencia, they don't look comfortable. He he sometimes goes through maybe f- three, four systems in a game. And you can see he gets a little bit impatient with how things are working. And they haven't really settled on an away system that, that, that gets results on a regular basis. It's improved lately. They're playing a little bit more cautious. But there is still a lot of work to be done, I think. But uh, that was that would be the main issue here then, the UEFA. for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. And, uh, of course, uh, just to bring Vasco in a bit, of course, we were talking about him the other day. How, how difficult do you think it is, Vasco, for a, a, a player, a, a coach, sorry, to make the transition uh, not only from one country to another, from one league to another, but, you know, in the size of club, there's just absolutely no comparison, is there, between Rio Ave and Valencia? Yeah, I, I think I think people tend to forget that, I, in my view, one of the main issues we saw last year, for instance, at Porto with Paulo Fonseca, and it was the same league. Uh, it yeah. was just a bigger club, and he was, I would say, phased about the whole thing, like bigger egos, a bigger demand, uh, a lot of attention from the media that he wouldn't, wasn't getting at Pasto Ferreira, for instance. Yeah. So. I'm actually quite impressed with Nunu, um, uh, and I would be a bit more if I didn't know already that he was uh, very smart. I think we all knew, right? Because mm-hmm. from all the, the interviews, whenever he spoke, he, he never sounded like a, a typical footballer. But I think uh, to be able... I remember at the beginning of the season, I think, David, you can correct me if I'm wrong, he was the uh, voted as the most likely coach to be sacked during the first month, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, that that goes with the with the territory of Valencia, you know. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I've gone before that, that so many managers come in. I mean, they had former players like Djokic and Pellegrino, who were who were legends at the club. Yeah. And, and then they got the highly rated Pizzi from Argentina as well, and, and that didn't work either. So there was a lot of pressure on Nuno. Yeah. So he's handled it really, really well. Yeah, I, I'm actually impressed, and and. I'm actually impressed with, with, with what David just said because I thought it would happen, uh, the, the exact opposite would happen. I think Nuno's form, or I mean Nuno Valen- Nuno's Valencia's form would be uh, better away than at home because uh, at Rio Ave it was almost exclusive what happened because they were much better at playing on the counter uh, than, than proactively looking for, for a good result. So I'm impressed with, with, with the change and the evolution. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, David, we can't have you on and talk about uh, Portuguese footballers in Spain without talking about a certain Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, So I'd like to know what the sentiment is among Real Madrid's fans and Spanish fans in general as far as Ronaldo's standing is concerned. Uh, Provided he stays clear of major injuries, he'll soon be overhauling uh, Di Stefano and uh, Raul as Real Madrid's top scorer in their whole history. Now, in your opinion, do people in Spain uh, deem him fit to stand alongside the true 
all-time greats of the game. Oh, absolutely, yes. I think in terms of his numbers and what he's done, then he deserves it. Um, there's obviously always going to be that little bit of resentment towards Ronaldo for two reasons. Maybe because of his personality, as we all know, you know, like um, as he was in England, as the English press viewed him, as maybe some in Portugal do as well, and he's viewed the same in Spain. You know, he's he's seen as all these things. He's seen as arrogant. He's seen as all this. He's not he's not humble enough. He's a bit cold sometimes. Blah blah blah. But on the pitch, he, he's a, he's an incredible player, and that's he's a, he's a footballer at the end of the day, and that's where you judge him. And and on the field, he, he he's nearly perfect. You know, he's he's a brilliant player, and he 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 does not look out of place alongside the likes of Raúl and Di Stefano. He's he's one of the greatest players in Real Madrid's history, and for me, he's the he's their greatest in their modern history. He may not be the Stefano type figure in terms of how how large he looms over the club and how influential he is um, at the club, like a Cruyff-like figure. But I think in the modern era, he's 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 far more uh, a more productive player than than Raúl, and he he does more for the team, and he's taken Madrid to a Real Madrid to a to a higher level. So I think he's he's bigger in 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 that way, definitely. Yeah, well, that's very interesting. Of course, uh, I think. I've noticed a kind of definite shift in the way he's viewed, uh, I think mainly all around the world, but I suppose we can say also especially among the English press, who of course seem to just love giving him a hard time uh, yeah. throughout the early days in his career, well the early days I'd say uh, most of his career, but perhaps in the last uh, year or two there seems to be a bit more maybe because you know winning two Ballon d'Ors and just his sheer, like you say, his <coughs> sheer numbers and his... Uh, you know, you just can't argue against them. Uh, mm-hmm. Against them, and there seems to be a, a bit more respect, uh, I think, shown to him. Uh, did, you, did you notice that shift in Spain, or has he just been a hero ever since he's been there? Oh no, definitely. There's there's been a shift. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of pressure on him when he first arrived, and it's kind of like what Gareth Bale has got now, trying to justify mm-hmm. that um, that huge price tag. And at the start, there's a little bit of pressure. Or why is Cristiano get Cristiano not getting? Involved more in the play. Why is he not? Um, why is he not such a big part of the system in terms of getting involved in all aspects of play? And I think over the last few years, certainly he's he's shown how big of a figure he is. He is actually on play. I mean, he does have games where he maybe he fades out and then he comes in later on. But you know, he always gets that goal nearly, and he he's just such a huge figure. And it's clear in the dressing room as well. Now he's a bigger presence than ever before. He's you know he's he's older now. He's more experienced. He's had the captain's armband in at, from times, and you know he's he's such a big big presence and personality. You know you you look a, you look you're in that dressing room and you look around you and you see Cristiano Ronaldo with you and and you know your your commitment has to be 100. percent You know your work rate has to be 100. percent If the best player in the world um, is playing 100, percent then you certainly must. You know you must try and get up to his level, and, and that's a great inspiration for people. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. would you mind if I cut in, Tom? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to ask David one question. Do you think there will be like a, a revision of history uh, in I don't know five years time or ten years time when Ronaldo leaves, and maybe he will be considered not as big as Di Stefano, but uh, a bit bigger, more respectfully, I mean, uh, than he is now? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think when somebody goes, like in terms of they finished as a player or they go elsewhere. Then I think there is always a, re- a revision, and I think with Ronaldo there will be a major one. That's why I always I don't like to compare him and Messi. That's why I like to I like to look at them both, and I like to appreciate them both. 
So I think, like you say, I think there will be revision and people will look and look at how he is physically and how we just how he's like the he's like the perfect athlete. And I think people will look yeah. at this and and say he he was symbolic of the the modern football era, you know, PS yep. power, physical presence, mm-hmm. and obviously his numbers as well. So I agree. There, I think there will be a revision. Yeah, Cheers. that's. Uh, it was. I lied to your quote then, uh, just in the middle of your analysis there, when you said, "Of course, he always gets his goal." Which uh, I think one of my favourite quotes recently about Ronaldo was uh, Ancelotti when he just said, "Look, listen, when Ronaldo plays, he scores every game. So when he's in the lineup, it's like starting the game one nil up." <laughs> well, that's just a really good way of putting it because it's uh, so true. Okay, David. Well, this pod could go on forever just talking about Portuguese players in Spain. There's a lot of them. So now I'm going to ask you for a quick response round. Uh, I'm going to be firing some names at you, and I'd like you to say in one or two sentences, if possible, about how the players in question are performing or not performing, as the case may be. So yeah. uh, I'll go uh, team by team. Uh, first of all, Real Madrid, uh, Fabio Coentrão and Pep. Yeah, Fabio Contrao, again, Fabio Contrao, I think when he gets continuity, he plays brilliantly and he, he looks like one of the best fullbacks in the world, but when he's dipping in and out of the team and Marcelo is maybe first choice, he loses that focus a little bit. And I think there's a good chance he could be, he could be on the way out this summer. This could be his last season at Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Pep, and then Pepe right now, I think he's in the, I think he's in the best form of his career right now, Pepe is, when he was under uh, Jose Mourinho at one point, he, he's 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 focused and he's he's cut out all the silliness in the, in his game, the the lack of discipline, and he's more experienced now, and the, he just plays with a lot more intelligence and and physically he's still incredible, you know, he's he's still quick as he's ever been. He was he was racing a, a 19 year old kid against Athletic Bilbao and he was he beat him um, for pace and he's just incredible physically, Pepe. So yeah, he, he's he's right now at the top of his game. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. Uh, good to hear. And Pep doing well then, uh, getting towards the uh, the twilight of his career. Another player in the twilight of his career who just seems to be getting better and better. Thiago, tell us about him. Yeah, everyone questioned why Atleti gave him a new deal and it looked like he was on the way out, but I think it's been justified. Why? Because he's he's still such a massive presence and he's he's got quality, he's contribution to the Atleti system, he knows it so well, he's so experienced, he he offers a, little, a bit more of a, a tranquil presence on the field, he calms others down and he, he's very good in that sense. So yeah, giving him that year deal um, was a was a, a masterstroke really because I think Atleti would be, would be much less of a team without his presence in the squad. Another masterstroke by Simeone. He's good at those, isn't he? Yeah, there's a few. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, well, talking a couple, just talked about a couple of uh, golden oldies. Now let's talk about a couple of uh, new up-and-coming players. Going back to Valencia, uh, Joao Cancelo and Ruben Vesel. Have they uh, managed to get a look in at all? Yeah, like here and there, Cancelo has had he's had a funny time because. Um, it was him and another Portuguese, João Ferreira. They uh, they they kind of fell foul of of Nuno bringing Antonio Barahan to the as first choice right back, and it made it made them two suffer. Pereira has now uh, has now left, and Cancelo is the the other fullback who's left at the club. And again, not much continuity there. But when he comes in, 
there's a few little errors in his game. Sometimes the lack of uh, focus, he can make silly errors. Forget to track his man, but he's very young. He hasn't played that many games in his career so far, so he's still learning. I think Valencia ideally would like to, to keep him on a little bit longer and see how it goes with him because he's clearly talented. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruben Peso, when he comes in, he's he's been very, very good. Again, a little bit of youthful. You know, just the youthful, he switches off sometimes, a little bit like a focus. But otherwise, he's he's been very good. He's he's good on the ball. He's 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 very strong as well, and he, he's a good physical defender as well. But he's good backup for Mustafi and Otamendi in the team. So he, and he's working on his game, and I think he's got a I think he's got a big future there. So he could be a surprise package over the next few years. Yeah, okay, that's great to hear because Portugal aren't over blessed with a young up and coming centre backs. So uh, he could uh, if he you know manages to. To get a bit of playing time, uh, I think he could actually feature in the Portugal national team uh, maybe sooner rather than later. Okay, uh, another young player, very young player, who's uh, a lot of people in Portugal have got big hopes for him, Ricardo Horta at uh, Malaga. How's he doing? Yeah, I'm a, big, I'm a really big fan of uh, Horta. I'm, I'm, he's getting more minutes recently, and I'm really, really glad because. He's such an, an exciting live wire enthusiastic player when he plays when he's on the field and and Malaga play on the counter attack they soak up a lot of pressure and then break at a rapid rate and play really directly and Horta um, he he is fantastic in that sort of system and and I think with again with more minutes and more time he can become a a really big player I think Malaga might even be looking at him and thinking we could really cash in on him in the next two or three years if he continues progressing as he has but for a first season he, he's he's been really really good yeah okay great to hear as well uh, Seville of course uh, Sevilla were Benfica's nemesis in uh, the Europa League final last yeah. season uh, especially of course goalkeeper Beto uh, and uh, Daniel Teresa also played well in that match uh, how are those two doing? Yeah, I mean, Beto at the moment he's uh, he's injured, so he he's out a little while. But I think his form had been dipping slightly, and and people were maybe thinking to give the young guy the the, ch- the guy who's in goal now, Sevilla, Sergio Rico. He's a, he's a local guy, and I think people will be want. He's very highly rated. People are saying he's got a lot of uh, David de Gea about him. So Beto's got a lot of pressure on his place, and and before that his form wasn't very good. He's I don't know the defense seemed to lose a bit of confidence in him, and there was there was a bit of a disconnect there. So when he comes back from injury, he's got a really uh, he's got a big uphill battle, I think. Um, and Carrillo uh, is again he's been such a steady um, performer since coming in. They got him on loan initially, and he's come in and he he can play defense midfield, he can play centre back. He's very calm. He's very collected. He's, he's good at what Sevilla do. They they like to sit in deep, and he's excellent at clearing his lines. He's good in the air, and he's just a good presence for Sevilla. He's been a, a like a really astute signing for them. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting. Does he play at all? Does he play often at centre back, or is he normally a defensive midfielder? It's it's mainly um, as a centre back now because oh, okay. yeah because they they got it they signed a Polish uh, player Krachowak who's been excellent so he doesn't feature there that much yeah um, okay yeah, yeah, it's interesting yeah because he started at Sporting he started at uh, centre back was quite impressive there but uh, then moved into central midfield and uh, some people were saying that his career actually suffered a little bit because he you know he's, uh, very flexible but he wasn't quite sure what his best position was so. It's interesting that, uh, like I said, uh, Portugal, are, I think they're struggling a bit for centre-backs, so maybe if he has a good run there, he might get back in the picture again. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, uh, how about a, a young Benfica prospect, uh, Ivan Cavallero, who uh, made a bit of a, a few headlines when he left Benfica for Coruña because he felt he wasn't given enough of a chance at Benfica. Uh, has he performed to uh, suggest that uh, George Jesus and Benfica made a mistake by letting him go, or not really? Um, no, I don't think there's a mistake. I think it's been a good move in terms of the environment that he's in in at Depo who are who are battling relegation. You know, he he's in an environment there that to toughen up his character, make him a bit more stronger in that sense and he's he's done relatively well I think. If you look if you look at the bigger picture, he's a young player, he's out on loan, he's in a difficult uh, surroundings as we just mentioned. I think he's done really, really well and I think in time, he could become a very, like a, a very, very good player. I mean, at the moment, he's joined top scorer with three league goals. I know it doesn't seem much, but again, Depor they they score irregularly. They didn't score much at all. And uh, but he 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 has to work hard in games. You know, he 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 puts a shift in. He has to carry the ball, hold it up, and win a lot of aerial battles. And I think he's I think he's done really well in that sense. And um, yeah, there's a, there's something there to work with. Without a doubt. Yeah. Okay. And uh, finally, perhaps in some ways, one of the most high-profile names uh, from Portuguese football in Spain, but uh, of course, a very curious career of uh, Bebe. Uh, was at Benfica, first uh, half of this season, uh, got hardly any playing time at all, uh, has gone over, been loaned out to uh, to Spain, uh, Granada, am I right in saying? Uh, Cordoba. Uh, Cordoba. Sorry, yeah, exactly, exactly. Cordoba. And uh, how's he doing there? Yeah, he's, he's he's done really well so far. He's, I mean, again, the surroundings are difficult. Like Cavalero, it's it, it's a team who are fighting relegation. But Bebe, he provides a lot of energy. Provides a, a direct threat on on the counter attack that the the Cordoba play on. And um, his end product isn't isn't very good at all. That obviously needs massive massive work. But in terms of the energy that he provides and he's good over the counter, then yeah, he can make some good decisions and then he can make some bad decisions as well. But he's by no means the the joke player I think many people try to make out. There's definitely a bit of a player there. There's definitely talent there. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It really is. You could write a, a book on his career because, <laughs> like you say, he has been uh, he's the butt of a lot of jokes. But for instance, here in Portugal last year, he was at Passos de Ferreira, who were a team really struggling to avoid relegation and he had a great season uh, yeah. he scored I think 14 goals he was the top Portuguese goal scorer uh, you know in the whole season so like you said there is talent there uh, yeah. definitely ok that was fantastic David uh, Fasco uh, we've just gone through a lot of names and that's by no means an exhaustive list of all the Portuguese footballers in Spain's top flight uh, to me this seems to indicate a trend uh, I certainly can't remember such a huge legion of footballers from this country plying their trade over the border. Uh, am I right in that? And uh, how do you explain it? Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. There's been a, a massive exodus um, uh, as far as Portuguese players are concerned. I'm, I'm not very old, but I'm old enough to remember Portugal having like three players abroad, and it was uh, a huge hit. Everyone knew how Rui Barros was doing, or Paulo Futre, or something. So now we have, I don't know, 150 players playing abroad. <laughs> now it's difficult uh, to keep track of them. <laughs> yeah, because now uh, it's just not the top performers because we have players in Spain, in Cyprus, in Israel, in Greece, in everywhere, basically, in Scotland. Uh, I think I think there's clearly a trend there. Um, 
I I think there's two reasons for it. The first one uh, I think is that the, as as far as 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 youth coaching is concerned, Portugal uh, is better than it used to be, much better than it used to be. Uh, even though I I think there are still there's still a lot of uh, work to do. Um, but yeah, Portugal and Sporting have invested massively, uh, and so I think there are certainly better players uh, coming through the ranks. Uh, maybe not just top performers, but just good enough to play for, for instance, Cordoba or something like that. Uh, on the other hand, I think that the big three, Portugal and Sporting, have been closing their doors on, on Portuguese uh, players coming through the ranks, ironically, uh, because they're now revolving doors that uh, uh, rely on the, the business model of, of, like you said, about Danilo, just just receiving young potential, uh, working on them, and then trying to sell them for three, four times what they originally paid. And I think that's been closing all the doors on the Portuguese talent, like, for instance, even Cavaleiro was complaining about, which forces them to, 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 force, to, to, to look for work elsewhere. And I think the other part uh, has to do with George Mendes. Uh, there's there's a lot of, of a lot of Portuguese players, like for instance Bebe and stuff like that. I mean, not just George Mendes, but uh, his his branches <laughs> uh, mean that nowadays Portuguese players are being able to find work uh, all over the place, which was certainly not the case up until a few years ago. Yeah, that's right. <coughs> Perhaps. Uh Portugal's terrible economy. Uh, one of the uh, things that we should be grateful to George Mendes is uh, making the unemployment figures uh, a bit more, a bit more. Uh, <laughs> a bit, bit, bit more readable. <laughs> okay. Okay then, folks. Well, time has beaten us again. Uh, David, it's been absolutely fantastic getting your expert insight. I uh, hope this is the first of many appearances on the, on the Portugal pod. Thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's nice to talk about these Portuguese players that are, for the most part, doing really, really well in Spain. Yeah, it's <laughs> great to hear. And uh, Vasco, superb analysis as always. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Tom. Okay, get ready for the hate mail. <laughs> I am. <laughs> and uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. For all your uh, Portuguese football needs, don't forget to go to www.portugal.net. And ah, actually, just before I go, uh, David, could you please uh, give out your Twitter handle? Yeah, sure. It's uh, David J-A-C-A, so David Jacker. So, yeah, follow away if you wish. Yeah, I definitely recommend that. Keep in touch yeah. with all things uh, Spanish football. And uh, I think, uh, Vasco, it's a while since we've said your Twitter handle as well. <laughs> it's, it's combination play, but uh, not as worthy as, as David's. <laughs> what this is ever okay uh, okay we'll be back in a couple of weeks or so after the log